0: First of all, I need to tell you that I wore this shirt today because the color that represents me in our series as we take in this assessment is predominantly red. So I put on this shirt because my wife told me this is a red shirt. But I've been walking through the hallways of our church, and people have said it's pink. It's some color called salmon. I don't even know what color salmon is. And it's red. And so if you have any—oh, somebody else said it's orange. So I just need you to know if you think this is pink— I pull off pink pretty dang well, don't I? So anyway, anyway, we're so glad that you're here. We're wrapping up our series. I said this, you heard that. And I experienced this um, series in the heart level a couple weeks ago because we've been talking about our words and how we need to be careful with our words. And um, on a Sunday night, i would ordered dinner for our family takeout, and my wife and my daughter said, go get the food, Dad. So I did what a good dad's supposed to do. Went to the place to get the food. I got in the little waiting room and waited and waited and waited and waited. And when I get hungry, I am not a very patient person, and I was just getting hungry, and I was watching other people get their food ahead of me, and I'm like, what is going on? And it felt like I was there for a really long time. And in my impatience, I started to get stirred up in my own brain and my own heart. Have you ever had this happen to you? I'm starting to get frustrated, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna say something, and I'm gonna set things right. And then I thought about this series, because this series with our words has haunted me a little bit in the best kind of ways. And so when I got up, they called my name finally. I got up and I paid for it. And I said, Thank you. Didn't say anything else, even though I really wanted to. And this very, very nice young gal behind the counter, as I'm walking away, she goes, Hey, pa- Pastor Matt. I went, Uh oh. Thank you so much for all that you guys do at LifeHouse. It has meant so much to me and my family. And it was just like a dagger in my chest. And I was so thankful I didn't say anything, right? And so if you're the young lady that waited on us, I want you to know that you're a better person than I am. I just struggle with it. But we've been talking about how to get a handle on our words in every area of our lives. And this is kind of the core verse we've been walking through. If you've been with us, it says by um, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And that's a challenge for us. Right. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we've been trying to figure out how to give grace and not let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Now, I just need to confess this. Last week, I was talking with a friend down in Atlanta who graduated from the University of Alabama, and in the middle of our conversation about church and ministry, he started talking trash about Alabama and Ohio State. And I just need to confess to you that this word unwholesome, I didn't do real well with that word in that moment. But we're friends and we're still making it. So, Louie, if you're watching, yeah, next year we're getting it. Anyway, anyway, this is a challenge for all of us. And we've gotten a lot of energy around this series because I think this is a common thing. Words and what we said, what we say, are just tough for us to keep a handle on. And so if you haven't been here, you need to know we we walk through some assessments of our personality and our temperament. And if you want to take that assessment, it's gonna be available just for a couple more days. Last week we talked about the fact that the things inside us can hurt people when they come out of us, and we want to stay away from unhelpful and unhealthful or toxic things. This is what we said last week, that our words can be weapons. And most of us would go, yeah, our words can definitely be weapons. And the weapons can protect, but weapons can also do incredible damage. And we get a lot of this from things that Jesus said. You know, Jesus said this. He said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, what's inside you. And we all have that gunk and that yuck and that dark and that sin in us. If it resides there, it's going to come out eventually. And what comes out is an indicator of what's on the inside. And if you missed last week, I would highly encourage you, you know, to go back and watch it. And, and the truth is, with the series, I think we could spend six more weeks on it. But we got to move on because next week we're starting a brand new series called You're Not Far. It's going to be a, be a great series to lead us into Easter and for you to bring somebody to. So I'd love for you to consider this. But I want to take one more week and just kind of lean in hard and look at something that Jesus's brother James wrote as he kind of continued on the same message about what comes out of our mouths. So to wrap the whole series up today, we're going to start with James chapter 3 verse 2. And this is what James, Jesus's own brother said, which is kind of cool that Jesus had brothers and brother and brothers plural. He said, "We we all stumble in many ways." Now, if we just pause there and I just read that, "We all stumble in many ways, a lot of you that grew up in church, you could just simply say, amen. We stumble in all kinds of ways. It's easy to stumble in our lives. But look what James says. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Isn't that interesting? He equates, he equates the words that come out of our mouth. If they're always the right words, we are perfect. And then he goes on, "Abel." able. Next slide. Able to keep their whole body in check. Now, for most of us, we would say, this is an impossible thing for me to do, But because I, I cannot keep everything in check, my mouth, my words, or all of my behavior. But this is what James says. If you can keep your words in check, if you can keep what you say in check, everything else will follow in that direction. In other words, your words and my words have the ability to undermine our entire life. But if we can control our words, we can control the direction of where we go. Now, this is what's great about James he gives us some amazing examples look what he says he says when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us we can turn the whole animal this is fascinating if you have ever worked with a horse it's a thousand pound animal You put this piece of metal in a horse's mouth, and it'll go wherever you want. Now, you may not know this, but once upon a time, I was around horses a lot. When I was 20, um, I was the stable manager at at a place that had about 100 head of horses. It's the same place I met my wife and came back to Jesus, so it's a huge win for me. But one of the things we do with this big herd of horses, we take them out to a pasture and let them feed. And after a week or so, we take them to another pasture. Um, What you do when you have a large herd of horses and you want to move them, you move them as fast as you can from one place to another because they stay in line and they stay together. And so at 20 years old, I mean, I wouldn't want to do this at 50 years old, but at 20 years old, riding a horse with 100 horses around you as fast as you could go, it was an amazing experience until... One day, the bridle broke. I was holding on to this fairly roughly trained horse. The bit came out of the horse's mouth, and I was at completely at the horse's mercy. This horse drug me through thorn bushes and tree limbs and everything you can imagine. I was bloody. I was dripping blood off my face. It had shredded my shirt. And when we were done, we got all where we needed to be, and I kind of got straight on this horse, got it figured out. I had to go back to the stables. Now, I need you to know. At 50 years old, bloodied up and no shirt on, I would go hide until I found something to put on. But 20 years old, coming off a wrestling college season, man, I was feeling it, baby. I was like, you know, flexing it and showing it. Now, not at all. Not doing that. You don't want to see that ever. But I just remember the the feeling of being in control of something and then all of a sudden not because the bit came out of the horse's mouth. That's what the point James is trying, trying to make with our mouths. Then he goes on he said, or... Take ships for an example, something much bigger. Ships, for example. Next slide. Although they are so large and they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go. And obviously, in this day and age, they weren't huge ships like what we understand, but they were still large. But today, you know this, you look at a big cargo ship, these massive freighters, and all these boxes that are on these freighters, they're this, each one of those goes on the back of a semi. So there's like 100 or 500, I don't know how many of these cargo loads are on here. But it's just a massive, massive vessel. But it's run and guided and steered by this, which compared to me, this this rudder is large, but compared to the ship, it's tiny. But it has the power to direct that ship wherever the pilot or captain wants to go, kind of like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's small, but it's powerful. And the direction that it points it to influences everything about the ship and about the horse. And listen, this is what's so fascinating. It's disproportionate the size of that rudder and the size of the bit in the horse's mouth to what it guides and directs. But look at the comparison he makes. Likewise, the tongue, this little bitty thing in your mouth, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. It's a small component with massive effects for better and for worse. And He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Think about that. Last summer, I was camping in altitude with my two oldest sons in Colorado. And, you know, at night it would get down to about 35, 40 degrees. And I would be freezing. They were young. They were fine. But I'd be sitting there shivering. thinking. And I kept asking, can we light a fire? Can we light a fire? Can we light a fire? in Colorado, there's a fire ban for most of the year because it's so dry. And there's so much stuff on the ground, trees and limbs and, you know, pine needles on the ground. That one little spark that gets out of hand will set an entire mountain range blaze it's like no just you know walk around and move get warmed up any way you can But there's no fire because one little spark will burn an entire mountainside down james said similarly the tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the whole body that the tongue the mouth has endless amounts of evil that it can distribute and you know this You've read about this. World wars have been started by people just saying words that were taken the wrong way. And then words shot back and massive wars have begun because of that. There's been mass shootings because one young person has been told words by other young people that maybe they're bullies, they're picking on them over and over. And then something horrific and absolutely terrible happens like mass shootings, but they started with words, entire people groups. Have been degraded and looked at in a wrong way because words have been said about them and you know this your little people group your little friend circle maybe someone had words shot at them for so long for in so many ways it did damage that is irrevocable it can't be taken back and then james says about the words your tongue it corrupts the whole body And this is so simple to see when you think about what he's saying, because tomorrow if you show up at your job and you let your tongue run loose, your words run loose, and you just let your boss have it, he is not going to fire your tongue. He's going to fire your whole body, isn't he? He's not just going to get rid of your tongue. He's going to get you out of there. You can say something to your wife today, and she's not going to divorce your tongue. She's going to divorce you and have your butt out on the street, right? This happens over and over and over. you got a child. Did he mouse off to you? You're not going to set his tongue in the corner. You're going to put him in the corner. Now, when I was a kid, we wouldn't get put in the corner. We would get the bar of soap in the mouth. Let me just ask a question. Who, who all got the bar of soap in the mouth? Raise your hand. You, you experience this. How many of you got the liquid soap in the mouth, which is the death? How many of you got both? So the bar and, yeah, man, God bless you. The young people in the room are like, who's calling child services on your parents? That is child abuse. You can't do that. But I'm telling you, I think it probably helped me out. Now, don't call human services on us, but when Jake, our, our oldest son, you know, mouthed off, Tina put both in his mouth, the liquid and the bar. And I said, you better sit him on the toilet, honey, because that is not just gonna affect his mouth, that is gonna affect his whole body, right? That's, that's James's point. Your, your tongue does one thing, but it affects all of you. He goes on. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire it controls the direction of your life now we talked about this a couple weeks ago that this starts with evil thoughts or evil self-talk the things that we say to ourselves but you know this the things that we say to ourselves and out loud it shapes our perception it shapes our beliefs it shapes our behavior and it can burn down everything around us including our most valuable relationships relationships and if you take um, James's illustration, what he's saying is you can say, say a word to someone or words to someone, and what you're basically doing is you're just lighting them on fire. You can look at someone you love like the, some, the someone you stood at an altar with and said, to death do us part, for better or for worse. I'm going to love you with all I have. But in that context, you can just almost burn them alive. You can have a child that so needs us to support them as fathers. It needs to hear our affirmation and our belief in them. And sometimes we correct and sometimes we discipline, and I'm totally about that. But if we never give them what's in our heart from God, we're just torturing them. We're just lighting a fire. And it doesn't just burn them in the moment. You know this because we've all experienced this. It can burn them the rest of our lives because some of our words we do not forget. We do not give up on. And it's not enough to say, hey, that was an accident. Because even if it's an accident, you still torch them. Hey, I didn't do that on purpose. I know you didn't do it on purpose, but you still torch them. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you've had this experience. Hey, I was drunk. I would never say said that if I wasn't drunk, but I was drunk. I know you were drunk, but it still came out of your mouth. And James's approach is, yeah, and you burn people that you can't undo very easily. It corrupts the whole body it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and it itself set on fire by hell and what he means by that is there is evil all around us and if we let the evil all around us affect us and come out of us it's not enough to say hey 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 we've all done this right hey 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 just being honest without thinking about how it would affect someone i was just mad Didn't mean it. They're just words. They're not. And you know this because we've all experienced the other end of it. But we can do this to people. And the idea of torching people, we've got to get a handle on it and figure it out. Because hell's all around us. It's not just some place that's for eternity. It's all around us. And we're all vulnerable to this. He goes on. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. And you know how we know you can tame animals that are larger than us? The Tiger King, right? You guys watch that? The Tiger King. Of course you can tame animals. You watch that YouTube video where the guy raises a a grizzly bear from a, a cub and now he's his best friend in his backyard. I just want to be that guy. So we know we can tame animals, but James, what about Humanity. That's what he says. But no. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. This is his insight. Remember, this is Jesus' brother. This is one of the um, core founders of the church. No human being, including you human being and me human being, can tame the tongue. We get it for a little while. We hold our breath. We watch what we say. We're really careful. And then we lose a handle on it, and we hurt people. But hang on, because there is a way that our tongues can be tamed, but we just can't do it. Ourselves. And then he gives us a picture of how diverse a tongue can be used for, the words can be used for. He says, With the tongue, we praise the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Oh my gosh, how many of of us have done this? And this is just for the Christians in the room. If you're not a Christian, what I'm about to say is probably why you're not a Christian, or one of the reasons why you resist Christianity and church. Because according to what James says, we will come to a place like this or something like this and we'll talk about how great is our God. And some of us will raise our hands to God and we'll profess Jesus as Lord and Savior and we should do all those things. And we'll get in our cars and we'll turn on worship music and we'll praise God, which we should be doing all those things, right? But after we do that in here together, have you ever walked out and got in your car and somebody cut you off or some person that's 80 years old is driving way too slow and you're just cussing them up inside your head? You guys ever do that? That's what James is talking about. Ten minutes later, you were praising God, and now you're cursing someone else. Have you ever done that to the waitress at their restaurant? Because she's a little slow, didn't bring your food. Have you ever praised God? Come on now. And you got in the car with your spouse, and you looked at your husband, and you didn't say it out loud. You just thought, you are an idiot, right? You ever done that? I know. You look at your wife, and you say whatever you say about your wife, and James says, ah, yeah, that's. That's not right. Maybe you've done it to your pastor. Maybe, you know, in one moment you're praising God, and the next moment you're on social media. And you're just saying things about someone that was created in the image of God because they disagree with you and they think differently than than you do, and maybe they're wrong. But you think that gives you you and I, and I'm with you because this is my biggest struggle, permission to say things that degrade a human being? James says, out of the same mouth, my mouth, comes praise and cursing. And then he says, My brothers and my sisters, this should not be. Now, this is so interesting because this is, you know, this is like this is a moral thing that shouldn't be. This is the thing you shouldn't do. But it's actually in the context, is like this shouldn't even be possible. For something to be used one way, it should not be able to be used in such a different way, but it is, but it should not be. But it happens all the time. And James wraps this up with a couple more illustrations. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the answer is no, obviously. Fresh water and salt water don't come from the same place. And then James leans into what his brother Jesus had taught earlier. He said, my brothers and my sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No, of course it can't. Or can grapevine bear figs? No, neither can salt spring produce fresh Water. Now, here's the thing. James kind of ends here, and he comes to an abrupt ending, and he leaves us all in a little bit despair. So you kind of got to weed through, what, what point are you trying to make, James? What are you trying to get at? And I think this is what James is trying to help us understand, that whenever you speak, you're playing with fire. Whenever I speak, and believe me, for a guy that gets up on stage and likes to say audacious things, it's, I'm playing with fire, there's always the potential when our mouth is open for us to burn something down. Second thing I think James is trying to help us understand is no human being can control their tongue. We can hold on and keep it at bay for a while. but you know, eventually our tongue just gets away from us. There's always two forces working with our words and our tongue and our mouths. There's God and there is evil. There is heaven, there is hell. There is Jesus and there is the contrary version of what Jesus is. And this may be shocking. You may disagree with this, but James, believe this. You can't. And I can't control my tongue. And we've all experienced that. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh, I wish I would have taken that back. Oh, I wish you know he wouldn't have heard that, or she wouldn't have heard that. Lastly, that your words determine the direction and the quality of your life. And if all this is true, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, certainly, certainly the guy on stage with the microphone this morning, we need help. And again, James ends here in this part of this. And you know, he asks the question: well, What do you do with that? so in light of all this, I want to suggest just three simple things that we can do with this. Now remember, this is where we've gone. We talked about our temperaments, what we need to hear, what we need to say, how other people need to hear. We talked about storing stuff up in our hearts, and that eventually comes out. But now this is about how not to burn things down around us relationally, specifically. So I'm going to just three simple things in light of what James said. And that's simply pause, surrender, and pour and to talk about pause i want to back up two chapters in this little letter james wrote and i want to read to you what he writes he says you must all be well, listen to this quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry let me just repeat that because this is a pretty interesting equation to end up in a good place in life you must be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to get angry. This actually is like a formula that the longer we listen, the longer we pay attention, quick to listen, the more we understand. And the longer we listen, the less angry we get because we start to understand the whole story. And again, this does not mean you have to agree with the person you're listening to. This does not mean you have to say you're right, but you can listen and not react. Because what happens with all of us when we react, stuff comes out of us. And if you're a red like I am or a yellow, I mean, I'll react. If I just let myself react, I will react with fire, and I will react with fury, and I'm pretty decent with my words, and I will burn things down around me. If I am slow, if I, if I don't do this, if I react quickly, I, I'll, I'll light everything on fire. It's easy for me to do that. And I'm at a stage in my life, literally, where I'm ready to stop apologizing for my words because I don't want to say them in the first place. Now, if you're like a blue-green, if you took the assessment, you may be slow to speak, but you think about your words, right? And you process, and you get your words just right. When you get angry and angrier as you think about them, and then when you have a chance to launch them, and they're biting and they're mean, you just unleash them, and again, it can light things on fire around you. And any time for us, I think this is so important, any time for us that you're listening to somebody and you think, why would you think that way? Because we say that in our culture right now a lot, right? Why do you have that perspective? It means that you, not them, you and I need an education of where they're coming from. And again, you don't have to agree with them, but you at least need to understand so you can figure out how to communicate and ultimately love them like Jesus loves them. Even if it's your own child. Have you ever been in this with your 15-year-old daughter? or your 20-year-old son, where you're completely on different pages, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Pause. And then surrender. Now this is a big deal. You pause to get perspective. You surrender, but not to yourself. Remember what James said in James chapter 3, verse 8? He said, No human being can tame the tongue. And if that's true, I've got to surrender to something better and bigger than myself. And again, it's always going to be choice. I can surrender to heaven in this moment, or I can surrender to hell in this moment, good or evil. And I'm just convinced there's evil lurking all around me and in me. So I pause, and I surrender, and I just say, God, listen, I need your help right now. I am holding on to this in my hand, and I'm looking at the woman I love and pledge my life to, and I could easily torture I'm looking at my sons. They still need to hear their dad care for them and love them even though they're adult men, but I could easily rip out their hearts with what I say. And Jesus, I need your help, your very spirit that dwells in me. You may not know this, but as followers of Jesus, we believe that God actually lives in us, but sometimes we so ignore it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, the invitation is always to follow Jesus, But I can actually ask God's Spirit to help. God, I don't want to torch anybody today, but I cannot do it alone. So I'm going to surrender to you, even though I think I'm so right and I think I'm so justified, I'm going to surrender to you and where you want me to go. Now, remember, in the series we've said that no color we've talked about is better than another color, but they all can be broken in our temperaments. So when you look at the different colors, and again, if you haven't taken this assessment, this is an assessment we've offered. We'd love for you to do that. We'll help you um, figure that out if you want to inquire about this. But we discovered that some people are what we call yellows. And their strengths are joyful, encouraging, affectionate, popular, and expressive. Those are great strengths, aren't they? Joyful and encouraging, that's the person you want coming to the party. But when they're not surrendered to God, their weaknesses are compulsive, and they're compulsive talker. They're loud and they hate to be alone and they interrupt because they're selfish when they're not surrendered to Jesus and they're scatterbrained. And we wanna live in our strengths but that's where we have to surrender to a God that loves us and wants what's best and watch our tongue. If you're red like I am, your strengths are you're decisive and you delegate, you're self-directed, you're confident and you're driven. These things are easy for me when I'm in a good place but when I'm not surrendered to Jesus, All that strength turns into a weakness, and I am bossy, and I'm impatient, and I am quick-tempered, I'm arrogant, and I dislike tears and emotions. Listen, especially this top line, I can just ruin somebody's day in a heartbeat when I'm not surrendered to Jesus. And I know that because I've done it enough times. And I want to surrender my life to God where he uses my strengths and not the weaknesses that are a disaster in my life. If you're a blue, and I love our blues, I need blues around me because reds need blues. Your strengths are, you're analytical, you're empathetic, you're a perfectionist, you're creative, you enjoy solitude. I have to have blues around me for me to be effective in my life. But when you're not surrendered to Jesus, you're moody, right? How about that? You're critical. You're withdrawn and you're skeptical. You're insecure socially. This is all about who we surrender to. And the greens, greens, you didn't think I forgot about you. Greens, your strengths are you're kind, you're diplomatic, you're even-tempered, you're patient, you're tolerant. It's great. But unsurrendered to God, your weaknesses are you're unenthusiastic, you're indecisive, no sense of urgency, resistance to change, and you're stubborn. And here's the thing about green, just a little bit more insight. It may not be the words you use, it may be the words you don't use. It may be what you don't say that manipulates people. A passive aggressiveness to get what you want. And you don't want to be that. But surrender to Jesus. You can be all he created you to be. It's just a question of who has control of your life and how do we put the torch down in our life. And so we've got this interesting little thing we're walking through. And it's pause. It's pause. It's surrender. And then it's pour. Now, I'm not going to tell you you should go pour yourself a drink, because I know that's what some of you are thinking right now, right? Because you're thinking, if I have to do these first two things, I better get a drink following that up, because these first two are super, super hard. Now, that may be good for you, but that's not what I'm talking about today. Here's the idea. When it comes to our words, we're always pouring something out of our mouth, aren't we? There's always something coming out. There's just no way we get through our life without talking. And here's what I think i discovered. I think this is what James is trying to explain to us, that we pour either gas or we pour water on the fires in our lives. And so often when we light something up or somebody else lights something up or the room gets heated, we just love to pour gas on things. And what controls you will determine what you pour in those things. And remember what we said when we started the series that most people say about 16,000 words a day? 16,000 words. Now, you may be a little less, maybe a little bit more, but that is a lot of fire to start with. And what we do with these words is always going to be a choice in who we surrender to. And so when I think about my 16,000 words, i got to pause now, if you're a Jesus follower, this is what we do. If you're not a Jesus follower, you've got to decide if you want to follow along with this and lean in. But if you're a Jesus follower, this is what we do. We pause, and we surrender to the Holy Spirit in us. And it's not that fire can't be good. Fire can warm you. You want to fire up a team, you want to fire up a company in a good way. But the truth is, most of us pour gas on a fire of pain in someone's life. We remind them of their failures, we remind them why they're wrong. And we take something that's small and we turn it into a force fire and we can burn their entire lives down. And again, to say, listen, 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 it's just an accident. That doesn't cut it. I was just being honest. That doesn't cut it. That's why we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And when there's a chance to be like Jesus, which there's lots of chances, when things are heated And they're spiraling in a bad direction to ask God to help us to pour grace on people, pour love on people. Because 16,000 words a day is going to take a lot of decisions for all of us. And it all comes down to who are you surrendered to and who will you make a choice for? To pour gas on it or pour love and grace on it? Because remember, it's always a choice of good or evil or Jesus or hell. That's the choice. And none of us are going to do this perfectly. This is why we've got to be quick to ask forgiveness, too. Well, none of us are going to get this perfect. But under the surrender to God, I think we have the opportunity to change the direction of our, our relationships. And you know this. Your life basically goes in the direction of your relationships. When they're good, life's good. When they're bad, life's pretty stinking right. So I'd ask you, would you think about your son's? Would you think about your daughters? Would you think about the people you love most in your life? The wife you pledge to be faithful to, the husband you pledge to love no matter what? Are you going to pour gas on that fire? Or are you going to pour grace and love on that fire? And maybe it's a person sitting next to you. Maybe it's a neighbor. Who knows? Maybe it's someone around the world that you don't even understand and you don't even know, but you think they're so wrong and so bad because they're different, but they're made in the image of God. And come back to what James told us, or Paul, when he said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit or give grace to those who listen. Can you imagine If we decide to do this in all of our relationships, if we decide to live out this one single verse, it would change everything in our lives. But most likely it's going to have to end with pause, surrender, and pour. And this is for all of us. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to sing this song about trusting in God. This is what this really comes down to, doesn't it? When you, when you read the scriptures, when you hear the teachings of Jesus and the people that love Jesus. Do I trust that? Because I would rather just let people have it and be mean and unload. But do I really trust what James, Jesus' very brother, said to us? And for some of us, we found that the best thing we can do with our lives is trust. And can you imagine what our lives would look like if we really decided to trust in a God who loves us? I'm inviting you to do this. I'm inviting me to do this. But more important, I think a Heavenly Father who loves you is inviting you to surrender to him for everything that's in us and that comes out of us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, this is so much easier for me to say than to do. And Lord, I pray that I would find the help that I need to do this well. And everybody in the room that's willing to step into this and everybody online that's willing to step into this. Help us to pause. Help us to surrender, which is so hard. And then to pour back into people the love and grace that you've given to us. And I pray we'd see change in our lives and our relationships revolutionized by your great love and your great grace. Help us to trust and surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.